It's the seventh Sunday of Easter, uh, approaching the final days of our great 50-day feast in the church. On Thursday, we celebrated the ascension, the moment when Jesus departs. No longer will God's reconciliation and glory be contained to one person in one time in one part of the world. He promises the Holy Spirit, a comforting and exhorting presence who will come and clothe us in power. On this Sunday every year, we hear Jesus' prayer for the church, a poetic petition that we all may be one. So I guess even Jesus has unanswered prayers, huh? Because looking around the church and its history, I can't say there's ever been a moment where we have lived up to what Jesus prays for us today. Even right at the beginning in Acts, we get this story of a terrible fight between Paul and Peter. They have to go their separate ways. The two greatest saints in the earliest days of the church, and they already can't agree enough to be in the same room together. So, that's the history of Christianity. How it's been, full of splits and schisms and power grabs and abuse, all the way to the present, Jesus' prayer remains unanswered. Uh, Maybe it's a little jarring to hear a description like this from a highly visible member of this particular institution. I mean, sure, I've left all the good out, which of course speaks more highly to me than the brokenness that's there. But it remains true that I have dedicated my life to something that is known for not practicing what it preaches. I have sworn allegiance to an institution that I know will never stop in many ways letting me down. I was able to do this partly because I don't see the church as much different from every other human institution. I don't see the people in it as all that much different from the people outside it either. It took, I don't mean this cynically, you know, I took, it took going through a terrible personal trauma for me to stop worshiping leaders in the church. Unclenching my hands from that idol was an excruciatingly painful process, but necessary to finding God. This week, a long overdue and damning report on widespread systemic abuse perpetrated in the Southern Baptist Convention was released. Many of you here in this room are much more affected by the reports that continue to be released concerning abuse in the Catholic Church. Some of you are here in an Episcopal Church today because of them, and many more will never set foot in a church again because of them. You know, it's no coincidence that I would swear allegiance to a church that seems to take safeguarding against these issues more seriously than others, but... I am always aware that the Episcopal Church is full of humans who all share that human impulse to sweep bad behavior under the rug, to avoid naming the problem and hoping it will just go away and improve on its own. I know that impulse, the allure of making everything seem okay when it's really not. I'm sure you know it too. And we also know that failures of institutions go far beyond the Baptists or the Catholics or the Episcopalians. On Tuesday night, 
I opened the New York Times app on my phone to unspeakable horror. 19 dead children in Texas. I've been in ministry now for eight years. The anniversary of my seminary graduation was also this week. Coincidentally, it was eight years ago when The Onion first published the article entitled, No Way to Prevent This Says Only Nation Where This Regularly Happens. The satirical news site republishes it after every mass shooting, the same 200 words, changing out only the number of dead and the city in which it occurred. No way to prevent this in the only economically advanced nation where roughly two mass shootings have taken place per month for eight years. For my part, I've spent eight years trying to find the words to preach after Charleston and Orlando and Parkland, something to say about a different institution I am a part of, not by choice, but by birth, an American. Jesus prays for us all to be one, as he and the Father are one. Not only does this prayer seem to remain unanswered, but on weeks like this, Buffalo, Uvalde, it seems further away than ever. The number of you that came into the church this week, hardly knowing what to say, but knowing you'd want to be here. The disillusionment you and I feel for an institution espousing ideals of life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, only to realize that dead children are factored into our American cost of living. That's where I keep getting stuck. The collective hopelessness that I hear from you, from my friends, in the news that any meaningful change can happen in the only country where this regularly happens. Eight years of these sermons, and I had this soul-numbing thought this week that I'm going to have a career full of them. Maybe one of the reasons I can swear allegiance to the church as a deeply flawed institution is that I, it knows that it is. I don't mean this in a fatalistic way. We talk about Jesus setting us free from sin, but even the great St. Paul says, I don't understand why I do what I do. The very thing that is harmful That's what I'll keep doing. There's a collect in our Book of Common Prayer that starts off with the words, God, you you know we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. It's Paul who asks the crucial question, who will free me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. It's actually this allegiance to a deeply divided institution rife with scandal and oppression and, yes, death, that is helping me see a way that I might understand myself as an American in these times. Now, the church and America often have wildly different values. And again, it's no coincidence I became a priest and not a government official or politician. But still... My hope for the one thing 
is helping me understand how I might keep hope alive for the other. I love the church, not because it is perfect. In fact, church is the place where you're most likely to be regularly reminded that you are not living up to the ideals you espouse. I like that about us. But even more, I love the church because it believes there is something greater, something greater than this present darkness, the powers of empire and unfettered greed and hatred. We believe that the force that undergirds all life is love, no matter who's in control. And it's at work, even when I can't see it, keeping hope alive in the most unlikely of places, even now, even here, in our wounded hearts.